Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Failing such a big part of growing. Everyone's so scared to fail, but if you can understand that you don't get past that without failing, and the faster you can fail, the faster you can succeed. And fail, that's why we say, fail as fast as possible, as soon as possible, as quick as possible, on the smallest scale as possible. The ideal situation would just be to fail right out of the gate. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Mary Harcourt. And wow, does she have an amazing story of success to share? See, Mary's business got shut down during COVID, but she didn't let that stop her. She took it as an opportunity to pivot her business and literally knocked it out of the park. In this show, we talk about why dealing with this one thing will make you stronger every time you face it. The skill she has that she believes every entrepreneur should have and how to conquer fear and make it a strength. Not only does Mary drop a bunch of wisdom bombs in this episode, but she shared her amazing story of turning a negative into a huge positive. Let's chat with Mary now. Hey, Mary, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, I always love to start out. Can you share with us a little bit about what you're doing these days professionally and just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I started a whole new venture. I launched a product. I was able to patent it in 28 countries and we are distributing as far as we can go, hoping to launch internationally soon. So that's what I'm doing these days. That is so exciting. So you've got a really cool story and I'm going to try to break it down into into what got you to where you're at in the 28 patents, which is awesome and international eventually. But I'm going to start before we get to there. I'm going to get what got got us there. And that's, you had a lash salon. First, can you kind of tell me what a lash salon is? I know that sounds really silly. So I apologize for the silly question. I know. (laughs) No, it's all good. There's many, many people that don't know. So eyelash extensions is one of the biggest booming industries right now. It is exploding and it's a baby industry. It's only been around for nine years and really has only gotten a lot of attention in the past three or four years. If you're not a woman, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But really what it is, is you take your eyelashes, individual pieces of hair, and a technician separates them with two tweezers, takes a synthetic lash, applies 
applies it with adhesive onto your natural lash and you get an entire set of lashes. What this does is you no longer need to wear mascara. It adds in youthfulness because your, your lashes are fuller, they're darker, they're thicker, they're curlier, they're prettier. So your confidence skyrockets. Your morning, you can literally roll out of bed and look amazing. So it's great for going to work. It's great for parents. It's great for Zoom calls. And then you naturally just feel better. So this is the thing about lashes and why it's becoming such a huge boom in the world. Wow, that is so cool. So here I thought... I thought it was you were putting false eyelashes on people like you were somehow sad. I mean, just... Not the strips. They're very individual. Okay, so yeah. And the whole process takes hours. I mean, it's about an hour and a half for your full set. And then you come back every three weeks for about a 45-minute film. Okay. So it's actually one by... I mean... One by one. one. Wow, that is so cool. So I imagine the one by one also gives a lot more of a natural appearance appearance too. Exactly. I mean, we all have seen bad lashes. I specialize in very natural looking lashes where people would just say, God, you look so good. You're looking... You look younger. Like, what did you do? Oh, I got lashes. It was never like the... Oh, you got your lashes done. That was not the kind of lashes we did. That's awesome. Well, thanks for putting up with my uh, very basic questions. I want to talk about pre-COVID. So you have this lash business. It sounds like you're doing really well. Can you kind of paint the picture? What was your business like pre-COVID? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was an overachiever thinking that I knew how to run a business. And when I started learning lashes, I thought, God, why would I want to work for someone else when I could just buy my own business? And newsflash, that is not always the best case scenario. So I bought a business and literally opened zero clients. And it was a really harsh upward battle. But in retrospect, I realized that it made me the most incredible business owner because I had to apply myself and study faster, read books, go through courses and understand how I was going to pay my rent. I mean, the first, first week I had three clients in Los Angeles, that's not an option. And I was in a beach town. I was literally one sidewalk away from the waves. So the pressure was on. And it was very challenging. But over time, I realized the more you apply yourself in entrepreneurship, whether it's researching or Googling or YouTubing or going through a course or books or conferences or classes, and I did all of those. And so should you. You can understand and you can really grow to master more than if I would have just worked for somebody and kind of stood at that ceiling. So in retrospect, it was a hard lesson. But fast forward six years later, I had a flourishing Los Angeles business. And if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. We're the highest rated five-star reviewed and just to put this in perspective if you walked out my door and would commit to a nine-minute walk there's 11 other places you could go so it, the, it was market was totally saturated and we were fully booked with a waiting list every single day we had multiple multiple rooms multiple stylists multiple everything and life was great i mean we were on top of the world And then COVID hit. And then COVID hit. (laughs) Yeah, and then COVID hit. So we got the news, you know, just like everyone else, we thought, what is this? What is this virus? Everyone was still sitting their groceries outside for three hours, hoping that the virus would die. You know, we had no clue. So the news came, I was from California. California had one of the harshest state mandates. We all thought it was going to be three weeks. It was nearly nine months. And we had never been through anything like this, as no one else did. So we got the news. I mean, it was like Monday, there was hinting, like maybe we'll close. And by Wednesday, it was your close. And what do you do? 
So we took a week to kind of sit down, cry it out. What we, where's our paychecks coming from? My clients were calling me, will you do house calls? I was still scared of the virus because we didn't know what it was. No, I'm not doing house calls. Then they were threatening, if you open up your salon illegally, you could lose your license, which we have a license in health and sanitation. Like we do understand how to keep a clean room, but it was so much bigger than that. And it was so much more than that. And so understanding how I was going to keep all these stylists alive, how I was going to keep my business alive, how I was going to maintain a, a business throughout this, keeping my clients happy. It was just kind of a whole tail, tailwind spin. I took a week, cried it out. I ate way too much chocolate. I drank way too much wine. <laughs> and it clicked one day where I was waking up going, I, I'm not a TV washer. So I wasn't one of those people that's like, yay, I get to catch up on Netflix. I was sitting there like, well, this is boring. This is just not okay. Let me think about like, let me take an inventory of my life. And it clicked. I had been working with a prototype in my salon to create a light. Because up until my my invention, there has never been an industry-specific light for treatment rooms. We borrow them from other industries. We use the film lights. They take up so much room. They're like, you have to balance it with a can of weights or beans. And that's what we had. Everyone would be like, is that a can of beans hanging off your light? Yeah, we have to balance the tripod. And they don't overheat. Or else we use the little like TikTok ring lights, but they fall over literally on your client. And it's natural <laughs> for people in lash extensions to fall asleep. And they call it like your little beauty lash nap. So you have a sleeping client and all of a sudden your light starts falling over. You have a mini heart attack trying to catch it, put it back up. And you're like, oh, okay, that one worked. Or hand talkers that their hands go and all of a sudden these lights are falling over. So there really just wasn't a good solution. And I had had this idea in my head, if we had a flat base and it was stable and heavy and it would slide under my treatment room and you would have lighting from ear to ear and it would rotate so you could see each individual hair, that would be the thing. So I started this prototype in 2019. And when COVID happened in 2020, I woke up one day going, God, I have been saying for months, if I ever get the time, I would pursue this project. But I spend till 11 o'clock on Friday nights balancing payroll and cleaning my salon and ordering supplies on top of working full-time and managing the staff. Like I could never launch this product. I, it wasn't even a thought. And it clicked. I was just given this time. I have no clients. I have no payroll. I have no staff to take care of. And I switched gears literally that morning. It was like, wake up, pull the laptop out, and we're doing this. And we did it. Wow. So I have so much to unpack here. I know. It's a lot. <laughs> so I can tell you're very high energy. And a lot of times entrepreneurs have that, that mindset. Do you have anybody in your family history? Is, is small business ownership or just business ownership part of your family DNA? Or are you just out on an island here by yourself? Yeah, it's really funny. I do come from a small line of, let's just say it this way, not a whole family. My father owned a chiropractic business with his two fathers and they got it handed down from their grandfather. And it was a struggle. I mean, I think now it's currently doing okay, but it was not the painted pretty picture that people paint. Right. And I was laying on the beach one day, the day I signed on my dotted line to get my first business for my spa. And I remember calling my dad, I had the keys in hand, like we were on the way to get champagne. It was this happy, it's done. And I called to say like, Hey, I, I just bought my first salon. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you ever buy a business? Why would you ever want to be in business for yourself? And I was just like, 
wow, that was not the reaction I was expecting. Like it's done. There's no talking me out of this. It happened. I have the keys in hand. I'm in a lease. Rent is due. So it was just such an interesting moment. And that's kind of how I feel when I think of business in my family. It is a very, not shunned word, but you don't do it. It's not recommended. It's not encouraged. My husband is a serial entrepreneur. He started his first business in Silicon Valley at the age of 15 and never stopped. And I think when we linked up, our, our energies and our forces kind of played off each other perfectly. Cause I'm, you know, it, you mentioned high energy. It's not high energy. It's like internal draw to say, you must do better. You have to do this. And you don't, I don't even know what it is, but it's an internal force that just pushes you. Cause it's crazy. Some things that entrepreneurs do, like people think we have all the answers. No, we have none. We're the ones making the answers, but we have to go out and find them ourselves. And you just have this desire to be like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to jump in with two feet and figure it out when you get there. And that's how I bought my salon. But yeah, that's where the, that's where the encouragement came from. As far as from my husband, not my family. I am the black sheep of the family to even attempt to be an entrepreneur or business by myself. Yeah. I can still relate to that. When I uh, started my first business, I told my family that I was leaving the firm that I was at. I was on track to become a partner. I was making really good money. And basically, didn't quite use this word, basically told told me I was stupid. Like, why would you do that? You don't do that. You work at the same place your whole life. You do blah, blah, blah. So I'm always fascinated. And why I ask that question is, here you have the keys to your new salon. You're like totally charged up. And the first thing you hear from a loved one is kind of like, dude, why are you making that mistake? Exactly. It's sad. It, it, I mean, it's cool that it didn't stop you because I, I'm proud of what I've accomplished and I didn't let that stop me. I've obviously value and appreciate my family's perspective on things, but I agree with you. We have, I think if it's in your DNA or whatever it is, you have that jump first mentality is the way I always phrase it. We tend to jump. And then we look for land after we're in the air. And, you know, the interesting thing about this and what I got from you is you talked about you're reading books, you're absorbing everything to be the best you can be. I think that's another part of our DNA oftentimes is that we're looking, how can we, how can we figure this out? Like, and that's as we're kind of floating through air, we're figuring out how, how are we going to figure it out before we hit land? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, an entrepreneur looks at something and goes, how can I make this better? Or how can I solve a problem? How can I fix the solution? How can I do that? And I think normal people are just kind of like, well, it's broke and that works. They go about their life. We just are always thinking like my mind works. I feel like I'm solving 12 different problems at the same time all the time, which is probably why I don't watch TV because I can't just focus on one thing. It's like, it bores me. I can be doing so many other things, but I think that's the true entrepreneur mind is you're always on to the next thing. Right. So what's the name of your light? What's the name of the product? Yeah, it's called the Cosmo Glow. Cosmo Glow. So Cosmo Glow, you're I want to kind of move back here a little bit. Cosmo Glow, you decide, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release this product, or I'm gonna have it manufactured and I'm gonna sell it. And you went in 12 months with zero sales. You're really at a point of prototype almost, I, I believe, to a yeah. million dollars in sales. Is that correct? Yeah. So we had three prototypes in our salon. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I was going to say, what does that feel like? Like, what does it go from zero to a million in one <laughs> year? I mean, that's, a, that's a huge change in a very short amount of time. Honestly, yeah, such a roller coaster. And the funny part was, I actually didn't know I hit that number until one day we were having cocktails. And I don't know who it was, maybe my husband, or maybe a friend that was like, well, how many sales have you had? And I said, I actually never even checked. And I went to check and we were at 823,000. And this was about seven months in where I'm like, oh, oh. 
wow, we're going to hit a million dollars our first year. Like, this is crazy. But we did have the prototypes and that's a whole adventure too. Like when you're doing prototypes, they come to you raw and real. There is nothing pretty about them. I had wires hanging out. It didn't look nice. It probably wasn't safe, but it gets you to understand the product in real life. So you can make improvements and tweaks. And we realized it has to be high adjustable because all of my girls, it's like Goldilocks. One was super short. There's me in the middle. And then I had a super tall one. And as much as a chair and a bed adjust, it would be much easier if the light would just adjust. So every prototype came with a new, like, okay, this is going to do that. And that's going to do this. And then we got to the third one and it's like, this is going to change the world. This is going to like blow our industry away. There's never been something created for treatment rooms like this. And so fast forward to getting that call that, hey, we have to close state regulations, to waking up that day going, okay, I'm going to do this, to pulling out the laptop going, I have to find a manufacturer. And mind you, it was COVID. So overseas was just a question. Nobody knew what was happening. We didn't know the status of anything shipping in, shipping out factories overseas. And so thankfully, I'm very, very thankful I made this decision now. But at the time... I had no choice. I didn't have a choice, but the smarter decision, I should say, was to manufacture in the USA. I could go to the factory. I could meet the CEO. I could see who will be packaging my product. I could handpick the colors. I could handpick the materials. I could feel them in my hand, what I wanted the thickness of the metal to to be, the smoothness of the rotation. I didn't want it to swirl around when the air conditioning came on, but I didn't want it to be so tough that you really have to fight it. It should be like a smooth transition when you go to rotate the slide. So there's no shadows. And now I'm so thankful for it. And to be honest, I really think on a side note that American manufacturing is where it's at. It's going to come back after all of this because it answered so many questions. I didn't have to worry about shipping. Our lights are made in Northern California and shipped with a sticker straight to your door. There's no middleman. It's me. We control all of our own manufacturing, all of our own production. And we control all of the own sa- our own sales. And so going through that whole process, it went from let's place the order, find somebody that works with your budget, because I didn't have a million dollars to sign on the dotted line. It was like, hey, here's what I'm willing to lose. And then find a manufacturer willing to do it. We cr- I created a website and all of a sudden I was open for sales. And we sold out of our first batch before the first batch was made. And that's when I knew, oh, wow, <laughs> this thing's way bigger than I thought it could be. So that was super exciting. Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to 25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I wanna help stuck business owners that wanna scale, but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in Five Roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And all of a sudden I was open for sales and we sold out of our first batch before the first batch was made. And that's when I knew, oh, wow, this thing's way bigger than I thought it could be. So that was super exciting. Yeah. So you don't have then supply chain problems right now, do you? Or, oh, or is that do. impact? You do? Okay. I was thinking because you're not pulling from China, maybe you weren't, but I guess some of the parts are probably coming from China. The entire world is struggling supply chain. Yeah. It goes as simple as the cardboard shortage because Amazon takes over manufacturing plants and just dominates cardboard world now. It's as simple as uh, gas prices going up. So now everything's surcharged. It's as simple as shipping. Every single carrier is back to weeks now. So even though we transport parts, they could sit somewhere. We've had it where we actually had a trade show. This is the worst case scenario. We had a trade show and we sent lights 10 days early. It really should take four or five from East Coast, West Coast, East Coast. And we got to the trade show and they had told us that they were delivering Friday. Then they moved it to Saturday. They don't deliver on Sunday. And our trade show was Monday. They The lights took 14 days. They actually delivered the last day of the show. So that's simply supply chain. We called FedEx. They were sitting in a shipping container that no one could access until they had cleared out their current shipments to unload to deliver these lights. And that's in the USA from East Coast to West Coast. We had plenty of time, but we saved it. We went online and found local Cosmo Glow customers that we could go pick up their light and compensate them with a free light and use it. And we made the show happen. But that's as simple as a a supply chain issue that we deal with. That's sure a creative solution to a kind of a catastrophic problem. You're at a conference, you want to show your thing and you don't have one. So you think your customers and go get it. That's a great idea. Oh yeah. Also extremely stressful and not recommended, but it did work. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, how did you get the idea? The idea for the light, I guess it was because you were actually in the trenches and you were seeing people of different heights. I mean, I'm surprised you're like the first one with that idea kind of for your, for your industry. And I can't be, I cannot be the first person that's thought of this. I think in our industry, they're lacking a lot of innovation. It's, it's women that go to beauty school. We're awesome at cutting hair. We're great at doing lashes. We're amazing at doing facials. When was the last time you met someone in the beauty industry that understands manufacturing? Right. It just doesn't exist. And that's not saying that it can't. I made it happen. I'm just a regular girl. So can everyone else. They don't have to, you know, doesn't matter if you're old, young, where you're living, men, woman, you can make it happen. And that's kind of my claim to fame is, hey, if I can do this, so can everyone else. And we all have such amazing ideas. So if we could get these amazing ideas created, we could change the entire world. And there's so much power in that. But yet everyone gets stuck because there's this old school thinking of I must order a million pieces, let it sit on a cargo ship and come over. And I just don't have that. And I can break it down as simple as find someone that is willing to work with your budget and grow your company with you, which is what we did. And I cannot be the first person to have that idea. But I did have a conversation with myself going, if this doesn't work, I'll lose everything. I'm nearing 40. And that's scary. But also, I know plenty of people that started over at 40 years old, 50, 60, 67 with nothing, and they're flourishing. So once you have that conversation with yourself going, if I lose it all, it's okay, because what I'm not willing to do is watch someone else have this idea and bring it to life when I was the one that thought about it. And that became like the fire and the passion where it's like, no, 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 we're doing this, even if we lose it all. 
I am still willing to try because it's either me now or someone else later. And I'm not letting it be someone else later. It's me now. That's awesome. And yeah, you got to do, it is boots on the ground. It was digging through the trenches. It was understanding the problem that all of these lights give shadows. We're working with individual eyelashes. It is a piece of hair and it was challenging. And like lighting was always a sore problem. It, it had tons of issues. There was never great solutions. There was never the perfect light. And it came from a napkin sketch of like, what would I want it to look like? Flat base, top of like the old school tanning beds, like that arc shape and have it be a super bright, crisp light. Have it be that it didn't give off any heat because that was another thing. These treatment rooms are so small and you have heat, hot lights on all day. Like you're baking, you're sweating. Um, it's just really uncomfortable. So I had all these specifications that as we work through the program, you go to a manufacturer and here's the other thing. Everyone always thinks I can't do it because I don't know how to do that part of it. Right. Neither did I. These people specialize in it. I don't expect a new customer to walk through the door and know everything about eyelash extensions. I expect them to walk through the door and know nothing so we can go through and I can tell them, here's what the process is going to look like. Here's what to expect. When you open your eyes, it's not going to burn. It's not going to be anything like that. You can get it wet right away. You know, walk them through the process. And manufacturing is simply the same way. You take your idea, you take your drawings, and they walk you through, what do you want it to be made of? What's the shortest you need it? And what's the highest you need it? Packaging, do you want it to be corrugate? Do you want it to be foam? Do you want it to be something that's able for everyone to carry? Like you just walk through all these questions and you don't have to have all the answers. You decide in real time what they are because you're letting someone that's specialized in that facility take you through and there you have a product. So that's really the, the secret of it all. Yeah. I want to take you through a couple questions, one looking back and one looking ahead. In terms of looking back, what do you think has been the hardest part in your journey to get where you're at today? I mean, definitely. I call it cannonballing into the world of the unknown. <laughs> Switching industries overnight because I actually led to... I sold my salon last year. I am a 100% in just light production. This is all of us. We have committed to the company. My company does... We are a one product company and this is all we do. And it is so different. I loved my salon. We are amazing. We are highly rated. I had clients that came to me every two or three weeks for three years straight and never missed a week. If you would ask me now, did you ever think you would sell the salon? I would have laughed at you. And getting to the point, it was never a bittersweet when I sold it. It was, wow, I handed it to an amazing couple that they're doing great things with it. So I can go and do more, but it was never, it wasn't like a chapter closed chapter open. It's like, okay, so we graduate here. We go from here to somewhere else. And I think that's a big thing is looking back. I would have never expected it. And when you switch industries, it's terrifying first off, but two, had I known how much it really took, I don't know that I would have done it. So I'm thankful that I switched industries blind to it because just like learning how to run a salon and learning how to manage a business, you gravitate to reading as many books as you can, taking courses, doing research, watching YouTube videos, looking up definitions. I didn't even know what manufacturing was. People are like, you got to find a manufacturer. What is that? And I looked it up. It's the art and skill of taking raw materials into consumer goods. That's cool. So I think it's just research sometimes. Wow. Yeah. It's just fascinating that if it wasn't for COVID, you probably wouldn't be in the spot that you're in today. People ask that question all the time. You know, in a real world, I would love to say I would eventually get there, but I know myself, I'm a workaholic. I stay and take every client at a salon as much as I can. And we are just getting to do um, weekend courses. So no, I don't think it would have been a product if it wasn't for COVID stopping me and make me, making me switch gears. 
Yeah. So now looking ahead, what do you view as the biggest challenges going forward in terms of mostly scaling your business? Like, what do you see some challenges ahead? Definitely supply chain. We are still struggling with supply chain. We are inching to go international. Um, I actually have a call right after this to put us in three PLs in all different countries. They have 227 locations in something like 43 countries. So that's the goal. And it's also like, Oh, two steps forward, one step back. I want to be in all these countries. Can we keep up this demand? I want to be here. Can we make it all happen? And once you start going international, it just gets, like I said before, we manufacture and ship straight to the door. So now you're adding layers and elements of now we're dealing with shipments and tracking and all of these things going to all different countries. And it's just something that has to be learned. It's a skill. I'll get there. But that's something that's a little bit like of a challenge, dealing with supply chain and dealing with getting ready for the international demand. Yeah. So in terms of owning your own business, what is it for you? Is it about the money? Is it about the autonomy? Is it about how big you can get? I'm curious, what drives you? You know, it's not about how big I can get. I've never been motivated by money. Point taken when I didn't even know I had $123,000 in sales. I had no clue until I ran a report. You know, I think I'm a super creative person and I'm a very optimistic, positive person. And an entrepreneur allows you to apply yourself in the most creative way in your voice. And I just love seeing what we can do. I love our team. I love the growth that we've created. I love the products. We have many more down you know, in the works that we're working on. And I think it's just a beautiful way to allow that creativity to come into the world and allow you to have a positive effect on the world. Yeah, I love that. So I'm sure we have some people out in the audience. They might have a product idea. Maybe they're thinking about starting a business. Maybe they're stuck at a point in their business. Can you give us some inspiration? I mean, what would you suggest for those people that are kind of either doubting or wondering what's their next step? Absolutely. Well, if you're doubting, stop that. Everyone's going to doubt. You're going (laughs) to doubt for the rest of your life. But you can also just get started. It sounds silly, but starting is where 99% of the people fail. When you get started, you become obsessed with it. And it could be starting as much as one hour a week. Maybe it's two hours a month. Maybe you dedicate one evening over a glass of wine to pursue your idea, whether it be a business venture or a product or however you want to do it, maybe an online course. But just starting is so powerful because you break down the barriers. And instead of sitting on the sidelines going, I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to do it. Well, start learning. Start learning what your first step is. Start learning. Start contacting people saying, hey, I have this idea. Can I put it in a drawing for you? Can we talk about pricing? All of a sudden, you're so much further ahead. And when you have a real written down plan and you're actually acting and making moves on it, you can look back and see how far you've come. And when you start to see the progress you make, you want to see more progress and more progress and more progress. And you'll figure it all out along the way. But it really is just getting started. I love that. That's a great tip. I'm going to get a little greedy here. I'm going to ask for one more tip. I usually end with this last question. I usually like to know if you have a a business or it could be a life tip that you can give us that we could apply to our lives. Is there anything else that kind of stands out for you that we can apply? Yeah, I'll back that up with. On top of starting is also also becoming okay with failing. Failing is such a big part of growing. Everyone's so scared to fail. But if you can understand that you don't get past that without failing, and the faster you can fail, the faster you, you can succeed. And fail, that's why we say fail as fast as possible, as soon as possible, as quick as possible, on the smallest scale as possible. The ideal situation would just be to fail right out of the gate. 
fail your first day, fail your second day, fail the first week, fail your first product launch, fail your first idea. Because the quicker you fail, the quicker you can dust yourself off, get back up, figure out what worked, what didn't work, what can I change to make it better? Go out and try that. You're going to fail a little bit less. You're still going to fail. Figure out what still didn't work and what did work more and go and analyze. And eventually you're going to get to an amazing idea or product or business that is flourishing and incredible. And you look back and everyone else is still stuck at the starting line, scared they're going to fail. Gosh, I love love your success, but I love your inspiration and I love your kind of you're going to figure it out attitude. Like you just, it's infectious. So I, I just so appreciate you being on the show. I'm going to put this in the show notes. It's, it's maryharcourt.com. That's your main website. I'll put it in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Is there anywhere else you'd like the audience to reach out to you or check things out? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to check out the product, go to the cosmoglow.com. There's no W, so just Cosmo and then G-L-O.com. And if you want to hit me up personally, I'm always on my Instagram, which is at Mary Harcourt underscore. You can find me there. I post a ton of business tips. I'm always there rooting for the underdog. If I can do it, so can everyone else and you should. So get going. Love it. Hey, you're an awesome guest. Thank you so much. When you hit your next multi-millions, I hope you'll come back on and uh, tell us your next set of tips for getting there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope that the show goes out and really reaches and touches somebody and gets you geared up to go. Thanks, Mary. Have a great one. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I hope when the show goes out and really reaches everyone that we can touch somebody or hopefully multi-people and you can get geared up and ready to take on your idea. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Lisa Godet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.